0: Awesome. Um, So we have our, there's a different name for it, Congregational Meeting. Is that right? Congregational Meeting this morning at 10. So I have my clock up here, hopefully, but if I don't notice, and it's about 9.50, can someone just raise your hand so we make sure we have time to wrap up and head out and make it to the meeting in time. Um, Let's open with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this Sunday morning. I thank you, Lord. Um, last week for Easter and the great blessing it was, and now the chance to come back to Second Peter and again consider what we can learn from this letter. I pray that you would bless our discussion this morning, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be moving and um, enlightening everyone here, and just um, bringing out a lot of great things from our time together. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Right. Good morning. Uh, the papers are coming he's uh, we couldn 't find a staple this morning it 's been one of those mornings. Um, did everyone enjoy Easter Yeah. You know, one, one of the one praise that came from it um, feel free to share if you have a few of the praise as well but um, you know uh, John tuck, who was one of the last one who had, was baptized on sunday morning um, his many of his family members are not saved they um, are still involved with jehovah's witnesses and things like that but his older sister who was at the service came to Christ, came to talk to Pastor Mike after.
1: Really?
0: Yeah, and so, very exciting. Um, this morning as we consider Second Peter chapter 3, um, we're moving away from the description of false teachers, and now considering uh, the ways that they're attacking the, their, their hope in the future and their confidence in Christ's second coming. And um, one, of, one of the verses we'll be looking about is just one of the ways they... Are attacking um, their belief is by saying that hey things have always nothing's changed things have always been the same. Um, what's your confidence? You know that, that it's anything's ever going to change. And just the idea that last week with Easter we really saw that that's just not true. You know there, there was a point in time when 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 Christ came when things radically changed. And I get the privilege of seeing that in the lives of those who um, were baptized and then even afterwards in the life of uh, John's sister. So. Um, thought that was relevant to our discussion this morning. Let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 3 and we'll read through the, the all 10 verses first and then we'll start breaking it down. 2 Peter chapter 3. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being... And the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness, instead he is patient with you, not wanting that anyone to perish, but everyone come to repentance. And we'll go even farther. Uh, oh, sorry. But the day the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. So I thought, as a, um, as a way to go through these, um, is instead of starting, we will ultimately go through the verses um, um, in somewhat chronological order, but I thought it might be good just to kind of start out with an understanding of a little a brief introduction to the second coming kind of understanding first from the from the excuse me from the position of the church what was it that they were hoping for? what was it that these false teachers were attacking and then uh, next week, we can move into uh, peter 's defense of them and saying um, how he defends what they've heard from both from from the apostles and from the Old Testament. I thought that might be a good way to go through it. So let's start here with the second coming and consider some of the things that uh, the church here was excited about, looking forward to, what they were what their hope was in this. Let's first turn to Titus chapter two. It is the church's blessed hope. And when someone gets there, if you'd read that, grace of God is. So here we're, we're going to see both of this. We're going to see both sides of this many times as we go through the scriptures. The idea of we've already seen the idea of the false teachers. How we see their lives as being evidence. One more evidence of their false teaching, right? They've adopted this false teaching, turned away from Christ, and their and their lives become an example of it. And now we're going to see as we look through this the hope that this the, the church has that Peter's encouraging them to have. And how in all these verses you'll see the same thing—it's encouraging you to live, live, live uh, godly lives, being ever aware and cognizant of the fact that Christ is returning. That's what's ho- ho- hoping that it will stir up in the in the listeners. So, first see is the church's great hope. Let's turn there to uh, Romans eight. It's described a little differently there. Yeah, talking about a little, a few verses ahead of time, that creation, groaning, straining for this, longing for it, and even not just creation, but uh, the believers in their own hearts groaning for this. <coughs> really stressing the great desire that we have for, for Christ to return and things to be made right. Let's take a look at Matthew 25. It is the climax of salvation history.
1: Absolutely. For him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate the sheep from place the sheep on his right, but the goat left. Then they will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, the kingdom, the foundation of the world. Where I was hungry, and you gave me. I was thirsty, and you gave me. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited I was in prison, and you came, and the righteous will answer. When did we see you hungry and feed you? And when did we see you a and you were naked? You? And when did we see you sick or in prison? I say to you, part from me first into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me a stranger welcome me nay they in imprison and then they also will answer "When did we see you in prison and did not minister to you? then he will answer them so not do it to one of the least of the righteous
0: <laughs> so here we see the kind of um, dramatic uh resolution where when Christ returns the um saved being a distinct line between the saved and the unsaved the uh, um I think that there. are Think of think we're going to have fascination with this in, from books to movies, um, depending on your view of, of, of the rapture and when Christ will return. Um, either way, at that point, there will be a distinct separation as the believers go to heaven, or a, um, at this moment as well, when Christ is casting judgment on both the saved and the unsaved. Um, there's this, um, this coming out, I believe again with this fall, I'm trying to think of the name, the book's Tim Left Behind series. There's going to be done again. So this conversation will be coming up again in our culture. I think this time, uh, Nicholas Cage, there are going to be some much more well-known actors going to be in this movie. So this will be a, a point of discussion again. This idea that when Christ re- uh, returns and calls uh, the saints to himself, this great um, division and culmination of salvation at that point. Uh, so the next one, Spiritual Reward. Uh, Matthew 25, same chapter 21 and 23. So this is just specifically in these section here, but drawing attention not just to the culmination, but also the idea of the fact that these servants are being now rewarded for what they've been going through. And we'll see this even in greater detail later when we consider the suffering they've gone through and what these um, believers have been, been put through recently, both inside and outside the church. But this is the idea of the reward for what they've been doing. The hope of the bodily resurrection in 1 Thessalonians. There, the the, um, awesome vision, and this again. Remember, this is even, of course, is relevant to us. We have people who've passed away who we love dearly in in the faith, uh, from grandparents to 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 those who have passed away uh, much sooner in life, and the joy we can't wait to see them rise in their new bodies. How awesome that's going to be! But understand too that the the who Peter's writing to here hasn't even. uh, more imminent sense of this importance to them, because they are threat- their lives are threatened for their faith. So they've probably you know believers who have been killed or uh, f- for, uh, for professing Christ, and it's a very real thought to them that they also could lose their life for this. This is not something that it's, um, someday when I pass away, when I'm in my, a senior citizen, I'll be resurrected in a new body. This is, I could lose my life very soon, and this is the hope that they cling to. Let's look at the next. March the inauguration of Christ's earthly kingdom, and, and then we'll expound upon that. But let's start in Revelation <laughs> chapter 20.
1: Resurrection. Over such the second death
0: has not. All right, so this is talking about the thousand year reign of Christ and the idea that his kingdom will be established. And uh, this will be. Um, let's, let's, now let's go to Isaiah 9, and this will give us a little greater description of that kingdom, what it's going to be like, why this is. So joyful, not only that he's reigning it, but this gives us a little more description. Isaiah chapter 9. Read these. For to us the child is born, to us the son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace... Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this.
1: If we always read 6 and 7. Um, you might, because it, really, it really is the context for 6 and 7 um, for this child to be born. Go ahead. Um, and he says, And there will be no more gloom for her who was in anger. Earlier times, he treated the land of Ebulon and the land of... But later on, they will make it glorious by the way of the sea. Galilee of the, of the who walk in darkness, great light, This the second coming of Christ, all dark, and, and light will shine on them. And the doubt uh, thou shalt multiply the nation, adding your presence, sadness of harvest, and men, voice when they take the yoke of the burden, put the staff on their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, that the battle of Midian, remember the Met God fought for them, right? Every boot of the Wacuda warrior in
0: the battle, tumult, the so cloak rolled in blood, will be from by fire, a... mm. just like Zephyr. Yeah, I realize too that they're, at this point they're under the rule of Rome, right? Yeah. So they are an occupied nation being ruled by those um, who they wish they could throw off. And so this is, I'm sure these are verses that they read again and again to their children about the hope of what's coming and that kind of thing. And uh, now that they have a more clear understanding that this is speaking about Christ, how joyful they are, how much more this must have meant to them, and how um, it got them even more excited for this relief and His um, second coming. I think even how relevant it is today, you know, in our divided nation where we're going more and more disgusted with the political process in general, and those who've kind of been put over us, and whoever you put your hopes in, they eventually let you down in this way or the other and the other. And the idea that someday being under Christ, being in, in, in a nation where you have names like, uh, not President Jesus, but like Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, and where everyone can just be unified and love and want to work for their leader no more political parties, just, man, it's going to be awesome. Yeah? Amen. So these are the seven that I've um, placed in here. Is there anyone else, any other th- things that you guys can think of for the Second Coming that... They might have been looking forward to that. I missed, or if not, we can move on. But I just thought maybe just something else that someone would think of.
1: Well, so he, um, Revelation chapter one, I think, does a good job of describing <coughs> that. Also, five and six, he talks about, oh, he is coming with all the tribes. Of the seven here, about which book of the Bible. Mm. Those one chapter type things, maybe. But mm. where else? Everything. Mm. So, the back at, at
0: that uh, mope from the beginning. It's true. Yeah, good point. It's
1: a the reason why he calls it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. still focused on the thing yeah. That yeah. the
0: second, <laughs> second coming indirectly after <laughs> that, that Peter writer. So much more substantial, too. You think about after, like, was, was it was the Great Awakening where everyone really thought the world would be peaceful after the Second World War and they thought, look, these are behind us? Or maybe, I'm not describing it right. when they really thought this is the last one and no more. And it, Mankind's risen above this, and again and again we see that's just not the case. Mm-hmm. Even how shocking it was when uh, over in w- with uh, President Putin, the first time those helicopters come flying over, and you think, is this possibly going to happen again? Someone's going to start invading places? We thought this was, like behind us. Even now it's still shocking, but no, man, man it doesn't change our hopes for mankind. This is so much more glorious than that, you know? Mm-hmm. Our hope in, in Christ and his return, his k- future kingdom. All right, see here. All right. So this is now we have an idea of, of the hope what they were looking forward to and some some of the reasons for that. Let's take a look at what they were facing. Now they have um, pressures from both inside and out coming at them. You um, can remember from our discussion of First Peter here, just one portion. It's but let's just do a little refresher. First Peter chapter four. Someone read verses twelve through fourteen.
1: Not be surprised at the fiery ordeals among you, but upon you for your testing, as though some stray that you share the suffering, also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with us. are vile for the name of Christ, you are blessed,
0: and of God rests... Yeah, so again, this is what we've already touched on, but this again, this is why this is so imperative to them. We've already seen now these two letters. With First Peter, we saw focusing on the outward persecution, what they're going through. And then now in Second Peter, dealing with wolves inside the church that are um, attacking their, their teaching and putting bad examples before them and um, being attacked from within the church. So they're going, they're going through all this, and this is why um, they're just longing for the second coming. Um, let's look at Second Timothy really quickly. 7 Tim- Timothy chapter 4.
1: Go
0: ahead. Right, and so uh, I think I, sorry, I should have, uh, <clears throat> I think in the, in the notes, I, re, I changed, I should change on here, so not just wrong to be set right, but here the idea more of the re- reward for their perseverance, they've been going through so many trials from those still coming from the outside, from those now within, and this is that kind of culmination where, where Paul is saying I just cannot wait. Until I, I finish the race, this is the kind of the longing to um, have the reward for perseverance through all these trials and tribulations. And then I <clears throat> added in this little word, that this greeting that they were given, Maranatha. And um, in MacArthur's um, study of this, he says um, the hope of Christ's coming was of paramount importance for the early church. In fact, its certainty was so real that first century believers would greet one another with the term Maranatha, meaning Lord, come quickly. Instead of being frightened by the possibility, they clung to it as the culmination of everything they believed. Not surprisingly, the New Testament reflects this intense anticipation by referencing Jesus' re- return, whether directly or indirectly, in every New Testament book, except uh, Philemon and third John. So this term, Lord, come quickly, was how they actually greeted each other. Just to show you what what a part of the living of their daily life and meetings it was. Okay, so now we'll take a look at the false teachers. Um, we're going to consider their motives here in a minute, but let's let's first um, let's take a look at what they are. The fact that they knew that they have no doubt um, of Christ's second coming. We look at some of the the ramifications of what sec- some of the reasons why we anticipate. Christ's second coming but let's now look at some of the verses that they would have known especially in the, um, the older ones um, pointing declaring that Jesus was coming back so we can see this is what they're denying this is what they're we're going to get next to their, their denial But well, let's just look at what specifically they're denying so Matthew chapter 10 let's look at the book of Matthew for a minute let's look at a couple of passages there I want to establish how clear this was that um, Christ saying he was going to return I'll read first. Go ahead. Sure. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to lift up Brother Mick to you right now. Lord, I pray that you would just um, protect him and grant him peace of mind right now. That you grant him clarity. Lord, that if he's under attack of any kind, that you would just protect him. And give him the ability to listen and um, hear what you would have to say to him this morning. I ask that you would just grant him mental peace now. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me read verse 23 and then if someone else could... We'll go to 24 and maybe someone else can read this other passage. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. I tell you the truth, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. So this is when he, Jesus sent out the twelve disciples, and he's talking to them about their mission. And we're going to get into eventually, too, how some of these, the reasons why they were anticipating him coming back so soon. And um, Peter, actually, in this passage we're reading, will, give us, will explain for them a little bit deeper um, an understanding of time and God's, God's perception of it as opposed to ours. But verses like, th- like this, upon their first reading, this is when they're going to, why they're anticipating Christ's return so imminently. When it says, uh, "You will not finish going through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes," um, and then let's look at verse, sorry, chapter twenty-four.
1: Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun of the stars will fall, powers of the heavens, and, heaven, and
0: then all the tribes of the earth, power and great, great sound of a trumpet. Right, now we're going to a few more. Now, learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you will know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So here again, this generation will not pass away. So they had that firmly in their minds. Okay, That's why they're looking forward to it. So, uh, this is all happening very soon. Let's take a look at Acts. First chapter of Acts. Verses ten through eleven.
1: They were gazing intently into clothing. They also said, "Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking at Jesus
0: has been taken up from So here's the angel as well, claiming the fact that Jesus will return to the disciples. Um One Corinthians chapter four. Good. Uh, let's just look at one more here, and then, just for the second time, so we can keep going, get, wrap up this first section before our, our meeting. Revelation, let's go to Revelation 16.
1: Behold, I'm coming quickly, or I'm coming like a thief. Bless his
0: the one who stays awake and walks about naked. Right, I and mean, actually, there are a few of the sections where we, this same um, description is coming, like a thief in a night that no one, man, no, no one knows the time or the hour. We could have gone through some of those as well. The idea that um, no one knows his time, he could have come at any time. So be ready, be ready. And with the other verses saying this is not going to pass, this generation won't pass away, or before they've reached every section, the, my words will, will be completed. This is why they had this imminent sense of. Soon, Christ will be coming soon, um, and this uh, this is why um, Peter cl- brings the clarification for them in this in these verses. But also, this is why the false teachers begin attacking it because they're saying, "You you thought this is happening so soon? Why hasn't it happened yet?" Um, so here's another, here's motivations for mocking. Okay, they they've known this clear teaching that Christ is returning. Um, they understand the church's hope for it. Why are they why are they attacking it? What the motivations of false teachers? Um, certainly. We see. Let's take a look at our section there. Let's, let's turn to Second Peter now. Second Peter, chapter three, and review one more time what they're saying. Dear friends, this is now. I read from the beginning one more time, so we can see what they're, what they're saying. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. And again, next week we'll, we'll we'll deal with his defense. And there's some awesome things he's saying here. But we'll get to that next week. Where, where, how he attacks these false teachers. First of all, you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. Okay, that's the first part. And this word "following after" um, there are two other uses. Um, we can look at Luke chapter one for example. But this has this whole idea of following after, of going, of traveling. This idea of this is a, a lifestyle, a habit they have developed. And so this, their own lusts have become such a part of their lives that they're now mocking this idea that Christ will return and they could uh, be held accountable. So let's just look at one of those. Let's look, let's look at Luke chapter 1. Why don't 5 and 6? Whoever gets there first.
1: There was a priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife and the daughters of Aaron, and they were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments. Right. So this
0: idea of walking blamelessly, and then here I have um, observing all. So the idea of they had a lifestyle of maturity that had developed, a lifestyle of obedience, and this is what God is commending them for here. This would be the opposite, but the same type of Greek word. The idea of they've been following after, have a lifestyle of rebellion. Um, and this idea that um, they hate the idea of the fact that Christ would return and they'll be called to account. And that's why they mock. This is what's driving them towards that. And this is... <laughs> so because I had learned this week, I'm going to bless you guys. Here's the word in, in the book. Anthropocentric hedonism, okay?
1: <laughs>
0: this is so you can sound uh, very theologically crusty in your small groups this week and just say, I really need some prayer for anthropocentric hedonism. I'm, I'm struggling this week. Now this is um, man-centered... Pleasure seeking. This is the way the punk guy described that. I laughed out loud. I thought, "Wow, that's an awesome word." <laughs> Man-centered pleasure seeking was just the, of course, that we all have gone through. This is the core of of the false teacher, and this is why he rebels against his idea. And then in Romans one eighteen, I'll read this for you. Romans one eighteen. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. And a little bit later, even in 24, this is not just their future judgment that, they will, that um, they're despising and saying, where's Christ coming? He's not coming. They, they, they want to deny it. They want to doubt it because they don't want to think about this future possible judgment. Um, but also now, the judgments against them even now, they don't want to think about that. Therefore, God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity, which we already talked about. They've displayed this in in broad daylight, what many would only do in cover of darkness, for the degrading of their bodies with one another. So they're denying both sides of this, that God's judgment is coming against them now or in the future. Um, This is another possibility, too, of another reason, a thought process that could be going on then, that's even coming now. It's called uniformitarianism. Tarianism? um, and here, let's read it in Second in, in Peter, chapter three. What they say next would be a good example of this. They will say, "Where is this coming?" He promised. Ever since our fathers died, and this is talking about um, their the ancestors throughout the generations, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Okay, so they're just saying, "Look, it's been the same forever." And this is what we're talking about, with Christ being one example of this. But this is found in some Christian circles today. You can see the word uniform in there, in Uniformitarianism. And the idea of, um, there are some things in nature that are uniform, right? Without it, things going into chaos. This is why with science we discover rules of gravity. Um, different things that God has put in place. The seasons that are uniform, that seem to happen continuously the same way over and over. But they carry this too far, and say that basically, in their view, and some even believers' view, that um, God started something at the beginning, maybe like a big bang, and then just let it go. And so, when, when, when some scientists begin positive things that literally cannot possibly form up with a biblical description, like evolution and that kind of thing, then they'll say, well, God just started it, and let it go, and watches it. And now everything happens in a purely naturalistic, scientific way, um, And that's the way things are going, and that's kind of what what these guys are saying too. Look, it's been the same forever, it's not going to change, Christ is not returning, and you guys should just get over this. Um, There's an example here as well, of this thought process, even now. Okay, um, let me read one example, one paragraph here. Albert Schweitzer, who believed that Jesus was a remarkably wonderful, loving human being, who nevertheless suffered from delusions of grandeur. Schweitzer said that when Jesus began his earthly ministry, he thought the initiation of that ministry would provoke God to bring the kingdom, which is why Jesus went out announcing that the kingdom of God was at hand. When the kingdom didn't come right away, Jesus then sent out the Seventy, hoping that would induce God to bring about the kingdom, but that also ended in failure. Towards the end of his life, he said, Jesus began to accept the grim possibility the only way the Father would be moved to bring about this kingdom of Christ was if he was the sufferer. So Jesus set his face like a flint towards Jerusalem, and in the last hour of his agony, he prayed that there might be some other way. He had hoped to the end that the Father would send the kingdom in the last hour of his suffering. As he was on the cross, he realized that a last-minute deliverance was not going to happen, so he screamed in pathos, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yeah, utter um, false teaching, right? Absolutely. But this idea of of this naturalistic worldview that Christ was just a man... um, he wasn't God. He's not coming back. So this is the kind of attack that they're facing. One of the attacks. This is
1: what they're
0: they're right, and that's what Peter's going to get to. Right, this is the awesome part. And there's really two sections, right? You can look at it from two ways. First of all, you have the beginning of First, beginning of John, where you see Jesus is the Word. He is God. All creation happened through him, right? So you have this powerful... What we're talking about with Easter, right? No, no, things... Even if you didn't understand everything else up to the point of Christ, you could say, no, things have not gone the same forever because Christ came to the world. This is radical... What he came for was this radical change. But also here, let's look at these two. Just as we we stick with what Peter said, he says they they haven't understood God's creation. Let's look what he says. They say, "...ever since our fathers died, everything has gone on since the beginning of creation." And Peter says, But they deliberately forgot that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters, also the world at that time was deluged and destroyed. And I think in these two verses it's exciting too to think about this. So let's look at Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And this is even, this is just good stuff too. like, obviously we see this relatively recent professor that is teaching this kind of nonsense, but you'll meet a lot of people that thought Jesus was just a really good guy or a really wise teacher, that he wasn't God, and you'll meet a lot of people in, in today's culture who have this general kind of vague Christian understanding, and so they might be willing to assert that God started things, but that's really where their faith in God's going to end, so this is a good word for us to hear when we have these discussions with people. Um, can someone read that for us, 15 through 17? Yes, and we see this in Hebrews as well. Let's look at Hebrews one. You see, notice in both of these in both of these uh, sections of Scripture, not only does the great power of, of Christ as He is um, intricately involved in the creation of the universe, but you notice in both these sections it's saying God's word is presently sustaining everything that we are, we're doing. Our hearts beating, the world being here. So it's not just that His word created; it's just that without His word now, everything would cease to be. So that's kind of it's kind of an awesome thought. Not just that they started something, is that it's, the only reason we are still here is because it's still sustaining us. Let's uh can someone read Hebrews one, one through three? Right? See, that, see me. his word is upholding. In the NIV it says sustaining, just constantly sustaining us even even now. And this is what they um well among other things, this is what they obviously lack in understanding when they would say he just created, they they give him that that one um fledgling praise kind of thing. Go ahead.
1: Four, five, your translation was uh, your word. Really
0: mm, yeah, deliberately forget.
1: That you know, was really good. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, don't so bother me with the fact. That's right.
0: So, in closing, go ahead. Yeah, the other verses <laughs> here, I think, when I the ignorance, it's a little fault. Yeah, I do what you say?
1: but, you know
0: John. John's
1: testimony, you know, But that, that is a willful, mm. this is ignorance, and so it doesn't matter. it's a, are going to argue that, When well, when is he coming? Okay, when is he coming? You got the word, and so you keep pressuring that mm. this, is, uh, this is ideological, um, Arguments, right? It, 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 it's not about like what proof or what is it's that I've clued to this issue that you brought up earlier. Yeah, mm. yeah, I don't want to deal with that. About a false construct per, further it, uh, further so mm. um, they are trying to work it, further
0: it, not mm. all right. Well, um, nine fifty one, so should we wrap up? Um, so we can. Maybe we can open next week with some of these um, thoughts. I kind of had some ideas of the persecution that were um, definitely less than them, but heading towards, and also the idea of science and the worship of it now, um, as opposed to seeing it in concert and glorifying God, kind of worshiping it in seclusion, um, and why these are so relevant to us today. Maybe we should say that for an opening for next week, and then we'll deal with all of Peter's answers, how he, how he answers all these false teachers. Sound good? All right, let me close in prayer then. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for the great hope of your return, for the awesome hope of your future kingdom, and just how uh, what refreshing it is to even think of that in today's context. Just the glorious hope, and I pray that you would help our eyes, as Peter here is encouraging them, to uh, um, continue our belief in it, to continue looking forward to it, and that would affect everything we do, day in and day out, that we would not um, forget that you are coming back soon. I just want to ask again for your blessings on Brother Mick this morning in service, that you would just uh, protect him and sustain him this morning. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.